to the track, the wall makes the leap and makes the catch! Amazing catch by Junior! He got it! A perfect game! 13 strikeouts! Ryan out for straightaway center field, picking out for Bunch, and it's down at the wall, leaps up, and he makes the catch! Mike Trout with another spectacular grab! another special MLB postseason edition of the Champions Adjust podcast. We are youth baseball coaches, former baseball players, and just completely in love with the game of baseball. Um, my name is Aaron Mashpitz, aka independent professional wrestler Jackson Stone, and I am joined today by Coach David Bodson, and we are here to talk a little bit more about MLB postseason, um, what's been going on, so much excitement happening. We're going to dive into it a little bit for the next 20 or 30 minutes. So thanks for joining us. Thanks for being here. And uh, let's talk some baseball. So Bodzin, I got a question right off the bat right here for you. What are you thinking about right now in terms of the MLB postseason? What's on the tip of your mind? Oh my God. It's better than March Madness to me. Just... So my, I, I talked to a friend of mine um, who I won't name because he doesn't listen to us anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he makes it very clear he's not a podcast guy. And that's fine. That's um, fair. That's fair. He made it very clear. Phil Gerard. Phil Gerard, big Red Sox fan, um, buddy of mine. And he made it very clear. He's like, man, this is more fun to me than March Madness because there's more backstory here. There's so much going on here. You know, last year was a little bit different. It was a 60-game season guys didn't really know each other as well but no you got 162 plus games against each other everybody's tired everybody's hurting everybody is exhausted mentally mm-hmm. they're traveling it's it's you know it is it's in there and now you have full fully capacity uh ah, full capacity stadiums right yep. I, I got it um and and they're just it's fun. You know, I see a lot of Dodgers fans who are like, oh, these guys suck, man. The Dodgers are so bad. They can't hit with runners in scoring positions. Guys, it's hard. It's a hard thing to do against some of the best pitchers in the world with, you know, 50,000 people yelling at you. It's not an easy thing to do, but they're doing it. And it's just postseason baseball to me is my Super Bowl. It's in Lulu. God bless her. So last night I get home. Um, uh, from a dinner with my with my uh, mom and my sister, and it's the sixth inning of a blowout between the Red Sox and the Astros. It's already a blowout, and I walk in and the game's on, so that I could watch it when I walked in, because she understands how important baseball is to me, and it's just it's it's beautiful. So I have a, I have a couple follow up questions. Um, one, I'll comment on what you just said. I totally agree. Baseball's fantastic, amazing unpredictable, incredible, timeless, uh, any other word that I think of throughout the rest of this pod, I'll say, but that's what, that's what I feel so far. 
Like those that love baseball really love it because they understand it really deeply. But that leads to my question is, how do you get a casual sports fan, just a casual sports fan, someone who regularly watches hockey, football, basketball, soccer, to really fall in love with baseball? Because I know the season is long. 162 games is tough to get through because a win or a loss in the first few months of the season don't really matter like they do in a, a football season or a, a sort of a basketball season, but you know what I mean? But when we get to the later stages of the season and definitely into the postseason, every game is crucial. Um, so how do you, how, do, how would you relay that to a casual well, sports fan who you want to kind of fall in love with the game? That's tough because I personally hate basketball. I just can't, I, I won't watch regular season basketball. I mm. might watch an average game here or there, but it just doesn't matter to me. And then once Mavericks or the Suns, who I worked for for a year, and I have, I have an affinity for them now as a result, once they're out of the playoffs, I couldn't care less. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of politics that goes into that aspect as well. But for baseball, to me, I like to talk to people about how it's a puzzle, right? A postseason game is a puzzle. It's a puzzle piece. Who are you going to pitch and who are you going to hit at what time? And don't forget that this person hitting doesn't usually come off the bench or doesn't usually come in relief. And the last time they face this guy – it did not go well. So is he thinking about that? Is he not thinking about that? Is the manager going to overmanage? Is the manager going to undermanage? We saw Kevin Cash do both of those in one game last <laughs> week, right? Yeah. It's, um, it, it's just a, a beautiful poetic puzzle to me. And I do know some very casual baseball fans who just love postseason baseball. Mm. They're big hockey fans and big football fans, and they get into postseason baseball. They won't watch an inning of regular season baseball because postseason baseball, it's more interesting because all of a sudden, every single thing that occurs really does matter. Right. I'll give you an example. Well, we can go when we talk about the games, we can get into it. But I'll, Corey Seager was gave me a great example as to why every single thing that occurs matters, and it's just it, it, it's really impressive to watch. Yeah, like I, I, I'm obviously a huge baseball fan, right? Played it my whole life. It's my first love. I don't watch right. a lot of regular season games. I don't. I do now more so than I ever have before because I got into coaching with you. Uh, so thank you for that. Truly blessed for that, Rick. Really blessed for that, um, that we got into coaching together. Um, that led us to this podcast. Um, that led us to the Champions Adjust brand. Um, so now I do care more about the regular season than I generally have. Um, in high school and in college, I watched a lot. But when I stopped playing baseball, there was a little bit of a, a period there where baseball was, there was resentment, basically. Um, but now back in it, full of love and hope for the game. I still don't watch that much regular season, but I keep track to know what's happening. But when postseason hits, I literally will watch every single game, all nine innings. I'll stay up to the middle of the night to watch it. Uh, I had a flight. Uh, a couple of days ago that I had to be at the airport at 4.30. I stayed up to watch the Braves win a walk-off because I was just juiced. I was exhausted and my eyelids were super heavy, but I stayed up because I cared and I wanted to see what yeah. happened. So that's kind of been my mind frame and thought process throughout it all. But yeah, I mean, on the same page. So I, I regrettably fell asleep in like the first inning of that game five between the uh, Dodgers and the Giants. And uh, it was a game four. I can't remember which it was. Um, it's a game five. Was it, I fell asleep Thursday night at like 9 p.m. Mm -hmm. Eastern Standard Time. Um, and I just woke up and I was like, oh, well, okay. 
Um, and I, I regretted it, man. Like I regretted. it. I woke up to some text messages and I woke up to some calls about, you know, people who just hadn't heard from me all night. And I just, I passed out because I was exhausted. And, um, and then I realized, oh, I missed this, 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 and this as well. Well, that's the first game I want to talk. I want to talk about quick. Okay. Thursday night, I'm in the airport again, trying to go to South Dakota to visit my friends. One of my old college teammates had a baby uh, four months ago, and we wanted to celebrate that and meet the baby. Such a magical, such a magical thing. <clears throat> anyway, so I'm in the airport. Luckily, like this is crazy how everything works out, right? I was going to be basically on the plane the whole time during the game, but my flight got delayed two hours. Um, so I was able to watch basically the entire game in the airport. And as we're boarding and as we're about to take off, we go into the ninth inning where the game is, uh, where the Giants were down one run. Sure. And I get off the plane to see what happens. And I just see videos and videos of this check swing that Max Scherzer threw to end the game, to bring the Dodgers into the next series. And I yeah. was like, whoa, what a way to end it. Like yeah, a little, a little man. heartbroken, right? Because I'm a Giants yeah. fan. Yeah. But also it falls right back into what I talked about last week of how unpredictable baseball is. How the human element draws out so many things uh, that you could never expect to happen. And that's just how the cookie crumbled. You know, that's just how it worked. And what did Gabe Kapler say as soon as he sat down? He said, we did not lose because of that play. Mm -hmm. We lost for a multitude of other reasons. Right. Now, are we heartbroken because of this? Sure. Does, our, does, does he have the ability to possibly get a hit there? Sure. Sure. But a one-two count, you never know what's going to come next. You still have Max Scherzer on the mound. The odds are you're probably not going to come out on top of that at-bat regardless. Right. Whether it's this pitch, this pitch, this pitch. You never know. I will point to um, the Giants getting a great call during the season where the hands were like this, and they said, no, we did not go. Mm -hmm. We got the game going and ended up winning. And, you know, it's, it's you know, karma in baseball always evens itself out, right? Yep. Like, hey, you got away with this. You ain't going to get away with this. You know, no. Was it a swing? No. I love the umpire's um, explanation. I don't have the um, – he said something along the lines of I don't have the ability to see multiple angles, and it's not a – it is a judgment call that you cannot review. Now, should they change that? Probably. Like that. Yeah. Um, should they change that? Probably. But um, Gabe Kapler just coming out straight up and saying we did not lose because of that call. That is a great way to, to be realistic because it's not the reason you lost – we talked about that last week. You're, you know, don't end up in that situation. If you really, really don't want an umpire to take that bat out of your hands in your season, don't put yourself in that situation in the first place. There are right. things that you can do throughout the game across eight and two thirds of an inning, eight and eight and two thirds of innings, that you can figure out something to get yourself out of that situation that you just didn't do. And right. then now the now it comes down to the umpire. And I feel for that umpire. He's going to be, he's the prior. He's, I'm sure, getting tons of death threats from, from, from Giants fans, as fans tend to do. They get very upset. You know, players are upset. Gabe Kapler, I thought, did a phenomenal job. And my respect for Kapler just went straight up when he just sat there. First thing he said, we did not lose because of this. Are we disappointed? Sure. Who knows what could have happened, but we had a great season. Right. That's the game of baseball right there. That's the game. Like, you never know what's going to happen. And you have to capitalize early on situations early in the game, especially with runners in scoring position in your fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh innings. So when you get down to the eighth, ninth inning and you're facing the team's best pitcher, could be your closer, could be Max Scherzer, that you're not down to one swing. Um, right. And so the human element of baseball still exists. It's still based on judgment calls from people seeing it in that quick. 
and sometimes they get it right, sometimes they get it wrong. But either way, it gives it makes the game exciting, and I love when managers uh, do that. They're like, we didn't lose because of this; we lost because of overall aspect, and we could have played better baseball throughout to prevent ourselves from being in that situation. So not only is Gabe Kapler incredibly handsome, he's incredibly handsome. Not easy hands. He's always, you know, he was God, right? but he's, he's a he's a very smart guy and he's a good baseball manager. So kudos to that. Apparently, uh, Lulu um, Lulu uh, recently told me that on her Instagram feeds and our TikToks, people are um, talking about how oh, if Gabe Kapler is managing, I'll watch the game. I don't know. <laughs> If he's on the screen, uh, it's kind of like Jimmy Garoppolo or Gainsby Swanson. Like, hey, yeah. if he's on the screen, I'll watch it. I Man, they're, my baseball, yeah. baseball is just full of handsome guys that look really good in pants I mean, and baseball hats. Just look at us. If you're, if, you're, if you're watching us instead of listening to us, look at it. We're two very handsome people who handsome. just happen to be part of baseball. It's, just, it's very it's good for us. Yeah. Um, and also, one last note. I, you know, we, we talk about this all the time with the kids. Baseball is very much like life. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to have to come back. You self-talk. How are you going to bounce back strong and forget about what you just did? Because that's mm-hmm. life in general. I'm going to make mistakes. I'm, I'm in sales. And if I make a mistake, that's that it could be $10,000 out of my pocket because of one little mistake I made, right? And that's the same for an umpire. One little mistake could change the trajectory of things. How are you going to bounce back? And listen, people make mistakes, and that's the beauty of baseball. I think yep. baseball teaches us to be human beings, and that it's okay to be human beings and make mistakes. Yep, absolutely. It's about bouncing back, speaking to yourself in a credible manner to keep building your your confidence and your resiliency uh, and allowing yourself to be imperfect, um, but also allowing for growth and learning to take place in those tough uh, situations. So yeah, absolutely. Okay, so now we move on. We have Astros, Red Sox, game four tonight. Um, which is October 19th, 2021. This, this episode will come out on the Thursday, which is the 21st. But as of right now, the Red Sox lead the series two to one. Thoughts on that so far, Bodson? Do you expect this kind of offensive onslaught that's been happening? I think we talked about that last week. We get Boston and we get Houston, then we're going to get 12 to 13 runs a game. And it's only coming from one side right now. You know, you see Altuve and Correa and Bregman, they're – they're struggling right now. They are, but but also they are one win away from being okay. <laughs> if they win one game in Atlanta out of these three, they are just fine. And they can go back to Houston and, and try to win one or two, right? Right. Um, I, I'm not surprised at all that Boston's scoring nine to 12 runs a game. I am surprised that Boston's bullpen is holding the Astros to – five to six runs per game right yeah that's the, that's the big surprise so far i think right i was fully expecting each team to, to to just get blown up on their bullpens and just absolutely get destroyed and um and that's not the case for boston right and they're making a case to be a threat in the world series which nobody we said we we called them the weakest team in the playoff field they when they got covid when they had a big COVID outbreak in their clubhouse about two weeks before the season ended, and that was it for them. Right? There's no way they're making the playoffs. But I read an article last night about how that brought them together as a team. Mm. And they've come together, and it's, it's the you go, we go. Pitching goes, then hitting goes. Pitching goes, then hitting goes. Hey, I just gave you a six-run lead in the, in the second inning. Don't give up more than six runs. Here you go. Okay, mm. I won't. And Hernandez goes back out there. It's been phenomenal. Rodriguez, rather, who pitched last night? Uh, the lefty. 
Yeah, but what was his name? Because I'm, I'm drawing a blank, and I, I this is my job to know this stuff, and for some reason right now, I don't. Um, um, I got it. Hold on. Give me a second. Thank you. <laughs> Sorry, everybody. I'm, I'm, I'm Rodriguez. Rodriguez. So I, I yeah. said her name and I said, okay, gotcha. Rodriguez has been phenomenal all season. He comes back in with a six-run lead, gives up a three-run shot, and everybody said, who cares? Who cares? It's still nine to three. We're right. okay. Um, and all that does is, is give you the odds from like 97% of winning to like 95% winning because you mm. give up a three-run home run. And it says a lot about that team. And you look at like Bobby Dahlbeck, who's now 0 for 11, like five strikeouts in the postseason. The kid's great at first base, and he does his job, right? Right. Um, on that double play, Altuve, um, Altuve hit in two in the uh, eighth inning. And, uh, and Dahlbeck just, you know, with his, his six-foot-10 frame, when he, when he reaches up six foot 10, just catch the ball and make sure that we can get that going. And they're there. They are defensively and fundamentally sound. Their hitting is just on point right now. They're at home with a two, one lead and their pitching is holding up better than anybody could have expected. Mm-hmm. And it's fun to watch. Yeah. I mean, the games have been incredible. Three grand slams already, like wild stuff, you know, wild stuff. We're talking about like how a team, this team hit three grand slams in the season. This team has hit three grand slams in the postseason. That's nuts to me. I mean, it just goes to show you when, when your team is confident and you're flowing off momentum, you can literally do anything. Like, Can we talk real quick about that shorter grand slam and how frustrating it was to me as a pitcher and a pitching guy? I see a bases loaded 3-0 count. What is Schwarber expecting? Yeah. Fastball at the belt. What right. do they throw? Fastball yeah. at the belt. Yeah. yeah, that's a grand sub. I would much rather just intentionally walk him at that point, start the count over, give up one run, rather than throw a fastball at the belt and get, and basically lose the game on that pitch. Mm-hmm. That's the game, man. It's a second inning. And you got walks, walks, walks that loaded the bases. You got an error. And you have a 3-0 fastball at the belt. Game over. Yeah, get, get me over fastball. It's one of the best home run hitters in the game. Right. And, and, and with the alternative from me – from managerial perspective, okay, we got 3-0 gets a home run, a fastball eater with a short right field porch. We don't want to give up another grand slam. F it, walk them. Mm-hmm. We'll walk in this run. We'll go in the next guy and start the start the uh, count over. I know that's a defeatist attitude, but I'd rather give up one than four right there. Well, you're uh, you're giving Kyle Schwarber the Barry Bonds treatment, right? The only guy to get walked with the bases loaded. Yeah, but I mean, with a 3-0 count, absolutely I do. Now, with a 2-0 count or a 2-2 or a 3-1, no. Right. 3-0 count, walk him, pitch a run, throw a curveball there. You got to at least, a, yeah. Right? You got to at least throw something out of the zone there, something on the black low yeah. that he'll just chase. But, but you chase, great, we got a new count. But maybe the pitcher was trying to do that, but he was really wild, and that's where the ball just ended up. There, yeah, but it was a fastball. So It was a fastball. It was a yeah, fastball. Throw a fastball at him. And, it went, and it went 430 feet, so – yeah. <clears throat> yeah. It was a no doubter. Sure was. <clears throat> um, okay, cool. I uh, I want to start by saying, well, not start by saying, but I want to say that I just, everyone who listens to this show, I apologize for my predictions. They were awful, bad, wrong, not even close. Uh, even last week when the games were in the middle of the series, I still, <laughs> I still got a do-over. I'm pretty proud of my do-over. I still picked the wrong teams. Um, and uh, I'm not going to make any predictions for these series or the World Series. I'm just going to see how it goes. I actually made some predictions with my buddies over the weekend on an episode of Jackson Talks, everybody. 
So if you really cared, you can go check that out. But I'm not making predictions here. I'm just going to comment uh, and enjoy what's happening. So now we move into Braves Dodgers. Uh, Braves lead the series two to zero. And we're playing game number three today at four in Los Angeles, which is an amazing place to play a baseball game and an amazing playoff playoff atmosphere. What are your thoughts going into that, going into game three, Bodson? Man, what a fun first two games. So this is going to be, I think, a seven-game series. Yeah. Um, let's talk first about the fact that the Braves had a 2-0 lead to start last year. Um, and, you know, granted, it was, you know, with very few fans in Dallas, Texas. So different atmosphere. But they had a 2-0 lead. Um First, want to give a big time shout out to somebody who'll never listen to this, um, and Corey Seager, future Cardinal. Hopefully, um, he saved the game. Hey, with, wait, um, I don't like that attitude. He might listen to this. He might listen, to it. Corey Seager. If you ever listen to this, man, welcome to the Cardinals. And uh, and um, yeah, I appreciate you uh, your glove, man. He listen, Bodson. Listen, listen. This podcast, Champions Adjust, is going to be a top ten sports podcast on Spotify in the future. Okay, I'm saying it here now. Boom. All right, go ahead. All right. Corey Seager, I believe it was in the eighth inning. There was a um, – no, it was in the ninth inning. It was, it was right before everything went down. Um, so you have a uh, runner on first, and they decided to bunt Danzy Swanson, right? The, it was a bad bunt, and you got to pick up, throw to second, and the ball was bounced. And 99% of the time, that ball gets past Seager, and now you got runners on second and third. Seager picked that ball up somehow uh-huh. to get the out. Just It was an incredible play. Now, two batters later, there's a 105-mile-per-hour fastball coming, and he has to kind of shorthand it, and it bounces so he doesn't get leather on it. So game's over. He did what he could, and I was really impressed by his ability to keep that first ball in front of him. It didn't work out the second time around. Um, your boy Blake Trennan uh, uh, hanging a slider to Riley, um, uh, game one. And then uh, Jansen. You know, getting you know, getting getting tagged with that uh, ball up the middle by Rosario, who's had an incredible series. His defensively, I think he was four for three for four, or four for five after that because he counted out a hit. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I'm I'm really impressed by the Braves. Again, it comes down to pitching, and it also comes down to hitting. The Dodgers are not hitting right. They're I think two for twenty seven or twenty six something with runners in scoring position through the first two games. That's not going to hold up. They're going to get some hits. They're going to score some runs. Right. Um, the Braves, they have really solid pitching. Um, it's just a fun series. I, I mean, I, I, I kind of, you know, I, I feel for, for Seager on that game too. I do believe that the, uh, you know, as they go, um, as, as, as they uh, go back to LA, they're going to, they're, I think the Dodgers win two of these next three. Yeah, and it's gonna be and it's gonna be um, game six, three two Dodgers going back to Atlanta. Yeah, yeah. Shout yeah. out to Blake Trinan, man, my former teammate. Uh, threw great, threw great in game two. So he came back really well, threw really good in game two. So I'm always proud and pumped to see him on the bump. Go South Dakota State Jackrabbits. <clears throat> but um, one thing also to look at, even though the Braves are up two games to none. Freddie Freeman is, is basically non-existent at the dish right now, um, which is something interesting to look at because he's their best player, their best hitter. He's their leader, right? He's the guy. He's amazing. Um, so watch out because he will get going. He, I mean, he's too good of a hitter 
He sees the ball too well. He has too good of an approach at the plate. He will get going. So maybe at the same time, the Dodgers bats kind of get going. Freddie Freeman will get going. So we'll have, you know, it'll be very even. And, and the thing about the Dodgers is they've been here before on numerous occasions. So a two a down 2-0 to them, they're not freaking out. There's no pressure to them. They're still playing loose. I feel like the dugout is, is still very loose. At least that's what I assume as like a mental performance coach. I assume that that's what the vibe is. Um, but tonight is a huge game for them. Tonight is almost a must-win game for the Dodgers because if they don't get on 3-0, I mean, that's, that's extremely tough. So tonight is must-win for them, but I don't think they're pressing because when you press, right, things don't go the way you want them to do. So you got to keep kind of vibing and rolling. Um, but some will give tonight. And, you know, they got Bueller on the bump, who's an absolute stud. Yes. Um, and he's ready to go. So tonight's a very interesting game. But I have another question for you, Bods. Yeah. As a guy who coaches third base on a regular basis, what do you think about what do you think about our guy Ron Washington just, oh, just letting it fly, baby? Yeah, I love him. Listen, man. Just letting it fly. Their uh, their style is aggressive. That's something I'm learning from uh, from uh, our mentor David Lovell. Yeah, he's um, gonna be on the pod soon. Next season, uh, season I, two. I can't, wait. I can't wait. But then my but but um, aggressive is the nature. One thing he taught me is runner on third. Hey, we go on contact. If it goes up, we read it and try to catch, try to tag up. Otherwise, we're gone. Now it goes back to the pitcher. Make him throw you out of home. Um, and I, I, I see a lot of that in, in Ron Washington. He just lets it fly. All right. You got runner on second. Dancy Swanson base up the middle. Go. Go. Make them make the throw. Make them make the throw. They have um, Mookie Betts who can make the throw. Oh, yeah. Mookie Betts. There, there's arms in the outfield. But get runs where you can off this off this uh, pitching set. And one of two things is going to happen. We're going to be safe or we're going to be out. Right. Be aggressive. And, you know, Phil Nevin was a little too aggressive with with Aaron Judge in a really tough situation that got him fired mm-hmm. ultimately um but um Ron Washington's not getting fired so I, I love what he's doing I love the aggressiveness I love the base running I love it's just um it's a fun team to follow I know our friend um Sander Bryan who can't be with us again this week uh due to work Braves fan pumped for you brother I, I love this team they're a lot of fun to watch uh We'll, we'll, we'll segue into what the fans do in, in a second, but as far as the team goes, I'm a huge fan of uh, I'm a huge fan of them. Yeah, and uh, I'd like to relay that that aggressiveness on the base pass to to where we coach, which is in the youth sports. It's like you look at Major League Baseball; everyone has a has a pretty good arm at this point. Some outfielders have an even better arm than than some, right? Obviously. But even with those high quality arms, they still have to make a perfect throw on the money. The person receiving the baseball still has to catch it and make a tag. All of those things are very hard. And that's at a major league level where they're the best in the world at what they do. Now you take it down a little bit uh, into high school, uh, even division one, and definitely into youth sports where the arms aren't as good. The accuracy isn't as tight. And... Now all of those right. things, all of those things that go into play are even more, um, uh, they're even more um, pressure filled. So you have to do the perfect thing at the right time to make that out. So of course you want to be aggressive. Um, you want to put pressure on the, on the, on the fielders. You want to make your boys hustle and move and, and make the game exciting and fast paced. And I think that has a lot to do with the base uh, coaches sending their runners, being aggressive, implementing that to your players. Uh, and doing that type of thing. So I'm excited to see that at a major league level because that trickles down into into the youth level 
And that makes kids want to hustle and they make kids want to run down the line and take the extra base. And that's what the game's all about. Like getting dirty, hustling, playing hard, um, having passion and fun with what and you it's do. It's small so. ball, baby. I love small. As a Cardinals fan, I right. love small ball. I know that there's a lot of kids that we coach actually are like, oh, make baseball great again. Kill the bunt. I think bunts are incredible, man. Do the right things the right way and score runs where you can. Right. Absolutely. Everything counts. I love bunts. I love hitting runs. I love aggressiveness. Yeah. Force the defense to make the play. And if they do, tip of a cap. Awesome. Great play. Absolutely. If they don't, you got a run scored. Yep. Um, yeah. So we have one final thing to talk about. I'm going to let right. Bodson segue us into this. Um, this is a pretty serious and delicate topic. So we're going to do our best to navigate these waters. And this um, will go but here right we go. Into, this will go right into like, oh, our, our society soft, snowflakes this and snowflakes that. I will start off by telling you what I just told you before we started. I am a white Jewish middle-class American male. Not a ton offends me. It's just, there's not a ton to offend me. But I have to realize, and it's my duty to realize that while I might not be offended, I have not walked in the shoes of people who could be offended. So we will segue into the, um, the Atlanta Braves chop, which has been an issue of offensiveness for years now, and nothing has been done about it. Um, Aaron, you and I are both fans of the Cardinals. We can go back to the uh, 2019 ALD, or NLDS against the Cardinals versus the Braves when a Cherokee Indian, Ryan Helsley, who's a, um, who's a relief pitcher for the Cardinals, came out and said, hey, Honestly, I don't like the chop. It's offensive to me as a Native American person, and they should get rid of it. So what did the Atlanta Brave fans do the next time he took the mound? They were about as loud as I've ever heard them doing the chop to a guy who just said it's offensive. That's an issue within its own. And then you look at TBS. TBS obviously owned Turner Sports, who owned the uh, you know, um, the Braves. There's a lot, you know, the reason why the Braves are so nationally renowned is because they were on TBS just like, you know, the Cubs were always on WGNs, so everybody knew them. And they zoom in on fans doing the chop, which the, 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 the stadium has already stopped doing the chop on the, on the board. They've already said, hey, we're not going to do that anymore. I, again, it doesn't offend me. Why would it offend me? But there are enough people who have come out and said, hey, this is offensive. At the very least, TBS should not be zooming in on people doing this anymore because they've already started to eradicate, you know, the Washington Redskins, right? That is no longer a team name because enough people said, hey, that's offensive. Again, never really offended me. I'm a big Cowboys fan. I thought the Cowboys-Redskins rivalry was fun. Didn't offend me, but it offended other people, and I care about those people. And so to me – I don't know. I think we're about to see by the time this airs, you know, I think we'll, we'll hear a lot more. Forbes magazine put out an article today saying TBS needs to be held accountable for, 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 um, for showing it. Um, the, the, the chiefs do it. And you know, there's articles about like, Hey, why the chiefs need to stop doing it. And Florida state does it. And it's a big part of, 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 of culture. But when you see a lot of people who have not lived the lives of people who are offended by it, saying, hey, who cares? It's just for fun. That's not a good enough explanation to me. Mm-hmm. And, um, and and I'll go back. I know you have a quote from Ryan Housley, but the fact that he said this is offensive to me, and the next day, Braves fans just jumped on him and did something louder was appalling to me. And I'm still not over it. It's been almost three years now, and I'm still not over it. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I, I, I while I really love this Braves team, I hate that that the chop is living on in infamy 
and and now on national TV with with young indigenous people watching the game of baseball watching this happen i think it is bad for for the brand yeah it's my my two cents on it and i apologize if everybody know feel free to text me tweet me call me soft tell me what you really think about that but that's where i stand and again i'll remind you that i i feel this way not because it offends me but because i care about the people who it might offend yeah so the the quote and the time frame that bodzit is speaking about this is where the quote is from so <clears throat> Ryan says, I think it's a misrepresentation of the indigenous people or Native Americans in general. It just depicts them in kind of a caveman type people way who aren't intellectual. They're a lot more than that. It's not me being offended by the whole mascot thing. It's not. It's about the misconception of us, the Native Americans, and it devalues us and how we're perceived in that way or used as mascots, the Redskins, which is now gone, Washington football team, and stuff like that. That's the disappointing part. Stuff, that stuff like this still goes on and is just disrespectful, I think. So that is the honest opinion of someone who is an indigenous person, right? And so I think that, um, that has to be taken into account because he is giving a personal depiction of how he feels um, and what makes him feel as a professional baseball player going to Atlanta and seeing these types of things. And that's where empathy is employed, right? Empathy is about trying to understand someone else's emotions and feelings while not feeling the same thing they are feeling. And that's what empathy happens, right? Our, our society is so unique, right? Everyone goes through different things, different traumas, different pasts, different environments, different cultures, different upbringings. All of those things shape who you are but so does your background, so does your ethnicity, right? Um, and all of those things matter and should be taken into account when um, talking about things that have national and world attention and make people believe or value certain things. Um, and so we have to take accountability for that thing. We have to look at those things in a real sincere way and how it might affect a very large group of people that deserves love and attention, the indigenous people. And we have to think about how sports play a role in that because sports play a role in life. They play a role in culture. And as sports people, as sports fans, we have to take uh, that into consideration, especially as sports fans, and especially you and I as people who talk about the game. Um, we can't shy away from these types of conversations um, because it affects us. It affects the people watching the show and it affects baseball fans everywhere. Um, and so that's how that's where I kind of fall into. Um, I'm interested to see what happens um, if the Braves make it to the World Series, um, I'm interested to see what Fox Sports does. Um, and I'm interested to see where the national conversation goes about this and about uh, indigenous people. Did I freeze? Did you hear any yeah, of that? And honestly, that's one of the reasons. Yeah, I did. Um, can you hear me? Yep. Can you hear me? Okay, cool. I, I, heard, I, heard, I heard most of it. Um, I think, I think that's one of the reasons I really am rooting for the Braves. I want this to get on the national stage because I know we both feel the exact same way, Aaron, about cancel culture. I think it is horrible for our society. I don't think anybody really learns from their mistakes if they're just canceled, right? But if you look at, you know, John Gruden, I heard somebody say, oh, cancel culture strikes again. John Gruden's fired. Well, no, he said some things and he was reprimanded. And then it turns out he said a lot more things and now he just... He doesn't have the locker room anymore. He can't have a job there anymore. That's not I hope this does get on national scale. Who have you no know, it's just will need to have a voice that is more than, than what they're given right now. 
And um, I, I agree with the comments from Ryan Housley that uh, it's kind of a caveman mentality. I hope this is on uh, Fox Sports every night um, for, for the World Series. I hope, I'm rooting for the Braves because I think that at the very least it needs to be part of the discussion. Yeah, we're having, having some issues here at the back half of this episode, but I'll do the best I can to chop it up and make it. Uh, Last thought, real quick before I get handed off to you, I hope this is on national TV so that we can start a conversation. Yep, absolutely. Cheers. Um, okay. Uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for sticking with us, even through some of the uh, audio and internet issues. Um, hopefully, we'll be back in person here soon. But Bodson's gotten his new job and he's getting that rolling. So we're, we're happy for him with that. And, uh, but we'll be back in person soon, maybe with Sander Bryan. Hopefully, we love we send love to him. We send love to everyone listening. Keep watching playoff baseball. Keep talking about it. Keep tweeting about it. Keep posting about it. And as always, no matter what life hits you with, champions adjust, and you're a champion. So cheers. Have a good one. See you guys soon.